Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. My name is Ann Hardy and I'm the Outreach Director for Desert Spring Church. It is my pleasure to be our podcast host for today. It's summertime and we thought instead of our regular roundtable podcast, we would change things up and do an interview style podcast with people from around the church. So welcome to the Summer Stories Podcast. We know that there are so many people in church with interesting faith stories. I love hearing them and I hope you will too. Today's podcast guest is Reverend Dan Morley, who is the District Superintendent and Missional Strategist for the North District of the Desert Southwest Conference of the United Methodist Church. Pastor Dan, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Ann. It's really good to be here with, you, with everyone. Thank you. That's a, that's a mouthful, isn't it? The title, title is a mouthful. Can you explain your title? What's the De- Desert Southwest Conference? What is the North District? What's a missional strategist? <laughs> yes, uh, it, it is when I when I put that title down, whether it be, you know, in a in a, in a letter or in a in an email sometimes the title is longer than the email <laughs> <laughs> um it, yeah so there's a lot there there is the, yes the, the desert southwest conference is our geographical area in which uh, the united methodist church in the united states is um is is created in that way that there are geographical areas um, uh, that are made up of, of local churches then in, in a particular area. And ours in the desert Southwest is a part of, of the state of Arizona, Southern Nevada, and, and at several uh, communities along the Colorado River in California. That's our area for Desert Southwest Conference. And then we're, in, we're divided then where we're, we're um, created into districts within that conference. And we have four districts in the Desert Southwest. And we are so creative in how we name them. <laughs> the North, East, West, and South. You there know. you go. Um, so, yeah. So obviously people would know we're in the northern part of our conference. So we're the North District. Um, and that's where I serve as the superintendent. And okay. Yeah. And it's, so what uh, does the superintendent do? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the superintendent is, is, is one who, who guides local churches and the pastors in fulfilling their mission, in fulfilling their calling um, to serve in the ways that they are, are called to be. And so we um, guide our churches and our superintendents to fulfill their calling and to be the best that they can be in that, in that way and in that place um, of, of service. So, and, I, and I do so then as a superintendent then as a missional strategist, we say. And a missional strategist is one who holds us true to the calling of being, um, uh, fulfilling the great commission of making disciples, of fulfilling our mission of the United Methodist Church, of making disciples in Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And a missional strategist uh, guides in a way and, and resources and helps the local churches then to do just that. And to look at the whole scope of our area and our ministry and our communities to see how we're fulfilling it mm. and different ways we can do so mm-hmm. and, and, and calls us into that accountability. And the district superintendent you, is an extension, we say, of the bishop's office so that it is the bishop who really um, is the one who oversees our, the fullness of our ministry together. 
and I'm an extension of the bishop's office in a way in which I then reach out into the local communities um, on his behalf and, and, and offers that um, support and guidance then as well. I see. Very good. So are you Pastor David's boss? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> it, it, so I, when I think about that, I, I kind of think that for the most part, Pastor Dave, like all of our pastors, answer to God in their call. <laughs> okay, look at that. <laughs> yes, that, that's, that, that the Lord God Almighty is the one who is the boss, is the one who is the one who directs us and guides us fully in that. And, and however, in a practical, in an institutional way, the pastor... Uh, I would say respects the discernments and the decisions of the bishop. And the bishop is the one who is our, our boss in that way. And that I then, um, in an extension of, of the bishop's office in a way, so in a manner, yes, I'm the boss supervisor at the local setting. In right. A, in a, right. But you're there to help. Definitely. I greatly respect the ministry and service that our local pastors, that our pastors in our local churches give and their professionalism and their calling and how they see uh, to fulfill that calling in their local setting. So Pastor Dave is the expert there at Desert Spring mm -hmm. and in Summerlin and in our Las Vegas Valley and in that location and how to fulfill that. And I respect that, 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 he, that he's the one with the boots on the ground and really right. working and, and all. And I'm there to give that support and guidance and um, to hold us in an accountability place to uh, remind uh, him always and all of us of, of staying true to the call and fulfilling that as mm -hmm. best we can. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's a, that's a good job to have. Sounds like you are enjoy it and, uh, and it's provided some, uh, some uh, good uh, fulfillment for your own calling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a very different way of practicing ministry. I find myself in the superintendency different than in a local church setting as a pastor where I've spent most of my time and most of my service is in a local church where I find tremendous fulfillment uh, in that setting. And that's really truly where I was called to serve in, in, a, in a local church. And so I try to keep that grounding and to keep that connection right at the local church level mm. as much as I can, because mm. I find that to be gratifying personally for myself as well. Right. So would you say that you're in more of a administrative role than a leadership role? It is a, a mix of that. Um, so that is true. A, a superintendent has a great responsibility in, admin, in administration in many respects. Um, and yet the, the role of being in, in pastoral ministry carries on because I am so, I seek to be so for my pastors, um, as well as for those who are in lay leadership within the local church in that way. Um, and in where, where the, the strongest difference comes is that I'm distanced from much of the actual hands-on ministry that one does in a local church in the care in the pastoral care with with people in, mm -hmm. in in a congregation, as well as hands-on ministries that are right there of justice and mercy and and living out the faith in ways of growing disciples, I'm a bit distanced from that. Right. So, in a way, then I um, am about 
uh, supporting and supplying leadership to do that. And so mm -hmm. I serve the leadership to actually engage in, in the ministry at hand. Yeah. Great. So for those who don't know, Pastor Dan was the senior pastor here at Desert Spring from 1997 until 2003. Uh, he led this church through a time of great growth. Um, and he was a senior pastor here when my family joined the church in 2002. Um, at the time, I had uh, two, little, two little kids. I had a toddler and an infant at the time. And uh, Pastor Dan was very good, v gifted, I would say, in welcoming new people, in making connections with new people. Um, and personally, um, I think that you welcomed me at a time when I didn't feel very good about myself. And so um, I appreciate your ability to welcome people. So do you, do you have some really good memories of your time here at Desert Spring? Oh, I surely do. And, and you just reminded me of that, the heart of it right there and just what you were mentioning. And I appreciate that very, very much because that is exactly, you know, what I would, would seek to do as a pastor in a church is really touch the hearts of people and connect people one to another and, to help people to realize how precious they are and how important uh, they are into the life of the church and just personally and individually to our God, but to each other, how we are. So I, I have so many uh, memories and, and they're mostly around the beautiful grace filled people that I had the privilege of serving and being with. And that's where I continue to um, draw from actually, even today serving as a superintendent is to draw from those rich, beautiful, personal experiences with folks within the local church and at Desert Spring. So I, I continue to look forward to, to the times of seeing and connecting good, good, with good friends there at Desert Spring. One of the first things I was impressed with um, soon after I, when I arrived at Desert Spring with Bonnie and our two daughters, uh, Amy and Allison, they were very young at that time as well, a bit beyond just the babe in arms, as you were mentioning, and for yourself, um, and yet they were in elementary school, and uh, it was the leadership team within the congregation when we arrived that I was impressed with because they were so clear about the calling of Desert Spring Church and who they are as servants and of, of seeking to be the church, and they at that time we had property in Sun City there in Summerlin and a beautiful design of construction for a new church a, a beautiful design and when you put your heart and self and the leadership team did that into designing that property and into preparing for that place it's a difficult thing to look at change or to look at it being different then when you've created that and they had a calling from God to reach beyond or to rather to reach all people and to reach all ages. So the seniors who living in Sun City and who were a great majority, almost the entirety of the congregation, really wanted to include young families in the church. But that meant they had to give up 
some of those plans that they had made mm -hmm. for a church in Sun City. Mm -hmm. And that takes, that takes courage. Uh, that was their bravery in deciding to make a, a huge change and significant change with that to sell that property and then to find a new location and to give up those plans on, that had beautiful drawings and, and dreams and look to another place. And they did that. Mm. So that really was a, that impressed me a great deal. And I realized that the leadership in the church of Desert Spring is a treasure and um, is very capable and adept. Uh, and so to draw from them was my desire to, uh, to move with their uh, ways that they were moving with the spirit, ways that they were seeing how God was at work in their midst, and then to move with that and to continue to expand that and to develop it. Mm. Um, and, and so that led to then the, soon after I was there, the signing of the property there where we are now on 120 Pavilion Center, but then deciding to relocate immediately, then even though we couldn't move on to the property, we hadn't yet designed the new anything or built, but yet the church had a long time ever since its beginning time of being in community centers and renting space and uh, every Sunday setting up and preparing for that morning and that week of ministry. And so had gone from one community center to another to another. And they decided to relocate into Summerlin, into that area uh, where the church would be located and made that significant bold move into the high school right there at Palo Verde. And that was a big decision because you're comfortable where you are and it's a challenge to relocate. And they had done so many times already in their young life, but they did it because they could see how important that was to be right in the community and to develop relationships right there, even before we had put a shovel in the ground. Mm. And that proved to be real key um, in the growth and development of the congregation and that they immediately, the congregation began welcoming all new persons and took great delight in families that were showing up and coming in um, mm -hmm. and providing and doing the best that we could and offering a nursery when there were never before any children and figuring out how do we do that? Um, and folks did. And that was so heartening and um, gratifying and rewarding at the same time, tremendous amount of work and effort and prayer, but it was fulfilling in it because we could see, uh, we could see the effect. We could see results that was happening. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I'm a direct beneficiary of that decision. Um, and, uh, I was uh, attending another church in the area and just felt that, you know, God I was not where God wanted me. And so praying, 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 and and this church is just up the street. And I thought, well, what better place to start, right? So I came here, 
left the, left my old church. Next week, came to this church, and I haven't left since. <laughs> Still here. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, and, and that just seems like so much about the key for Desert Spring Church is that relationships. It's the friendships that are built and created and the being together um, as a community, which is what hooks us and holds us to our mm-hmm. church, that very thing for a long many years then yeah yeah i agree so since that time um i've been around a couple more pastors desert spring has had a couple more pastors here at church and pastors always have a call story how god called them into ministry Um, but i'm not sure i've heard your call story and i just wanted to see if you could recall (laughs) could tell us a little about that in many ways, it is a long, I mean, it's a, a long time ago in a sense, but it's also today as well, because I find that the call, it it's continued to be um, developed and God continues to call us um, all through life in all circumstances and seasons of our lives. But the experience of God calling and prompting me into ministry as a pastor happened over many years as well. Um, And it really began, the more I think about it and reflect, it really began a lot in a lot younger time in my life than I have really sometimes thought it did. You know how you can often look back over life circumstance and situation. And when you get a a bit of perspective on it, you kind of see things a little bit differently over some time and realize, well, God was really leading me through that time. And in fact, I thought I was a, you know, a big gap between myself and who God is, but God was actually right there mm. in the midst of all. And it's kind of the way I even, went, the more I reflect upon my calling and God's presence, uh, the, the more it even comes all the way through life and very early on. But it, it took me a while to actually um, hear it. And to know that God has a call in life for me and a purposefulness there. And it took one of my pastors prompting me um, to consider that, uh, to to consider because what he could see in my life as possibilities for ministry in a church setting as a pastor. And it took me a while to trust uh, that God was actually was calling me and and I guess that why I struggled with it for a number of years was that I I struggled with seeing that I had the giftedness or the skill or the ability to fulfill what that calling would entail or would require of me Um, I didn't quite I didn't quite have the confidence to say yes it took a while for me to to engage or have this trust that when God calls us, God gives us what we need to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to come to that maturity of understanding and faith and trust. And it was like a leap then though, because, okay, I could, I could trust that in my head to know, okay, if that's a biblical truth, if that's somewhat I'm being taught that you can trust God will provide and you say yes, and you step into it, and God will give you what you need in order to fulfill that calling, there still is that leap 
that needs to be of trust um, to step out there. And, and I did so after, after some troubled times of agitation and my soul was just troubled and it was even manifested through restless night's sleep mm. where I wake up in the morning, just frustrated and, and anxious and feeling like I don't know what I'm supposed to even be doing in life and such. And until one time I woke up realizing that I was really wrestling with God and, and myself with it. And I just surrendered. I just said, okay, yes, here I am. I'll just trust that however this works out, it, you'll, you'll make it work out, Lord. And I'll give my all into making it so. Mm. And when I did that, when I had that, that surrender of spirit into God's spirit, I had a calm, I had a peace. I had a renewal of a confidence that I wasn't alone in it, that uh, God was going to guide me in it. And then there were also wonderful people that got put in my path to guide me through it and make it so, um, and, and to keep on every step of the way to, um, to, to really have a fulfillment then and to see it expanding and to my being able to, uh, to increasingly fulfill that call, which Mm -hmm. I continue to do to this day to see how is it I can even, even further expand and go into that calling. Um, it, it, it wasn't something that just was fulfilled then when I graduated from seminary or was ordained and now I've completed it. I felt that same struggle when answering what I believe was God's call through the bishop inviting me into superintendency. I struggled with that and thought, no, I, I, I'm not built for that. I don't have what it needs, you know, to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. But then I revisited that place of trust, confidence that God will provide, and I'm not alone in it. Um, I have the body of the church. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I've I've heard a couple of call stories now from pastors, and it seems to me that I don't hear pastors saying yes right away. It seems to be something that, um, that the clergy, and, and I would say lay leadership as well, my first response was no, no. And um, it seems to be common. And I wonder why, you know, we're always looking for, for God's, you know, work in our lives. But yet, when that when someone asks us to serve or when God asks us to serve, our first response is no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Thank you so much for asking. I agree. It, it does seem to be that. I think you're right, Anne, that usually it is uh, no. And we even run the, the other way or, or talk ourselves out of it or something. And I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons with it. And part of it is because God's picture and God's, design or God's plan is is so much bigger than anything I had dreamed of and so much more wow that it's like ah uh, how can you know I even imagine myself fulfilling or stepping into that but there's this sense also about 
an awesomeness that God's inviting me to do what? Really, God? <laughs> me? <That's right. laughs> so we have been going through some difficult times um, these last few years. We're dealing with the pandemic. We're dealing with racial tension, political tensions, shootings, wars. Um, and as a leader in the church, this has to be a very difficult time uh, for you to be leading churches, local churches. Um, what would you say is your biggest challenge? Yeah, yeah. I think my biggest challenge is to just keep myself in the wisdom, the grace, and the provisions of the Spirit, and to continue to trust God will show the way. And I think that is a continuation of that call story, you know? Um, can I handle what I'm needing to, what I need to be doing? Can I handle what's being thrown my way, that which, what's coming our way collectively as a community? Can we really manage it? Can we really engage it? I, I, I felt that so strongly when, when that October 1st day of the mass shooting in Vegas happened um, at the Mandalay. And it was like, wow, it, it was overwhelming, the experience. And it was this experience of a collective way of just that made it so how do we what do we say in the face of this? How do we respond in the face of this without just shrinking up and hiding under the covers and not wanting to come out because it feels too unsafe in this crazy world and this awful things that can go on. And then the next thing happens, you know, like you just said, you know, then the pandemic and, and, and the, and the racial tensions and the political tensions that are there and, and wars and recessions and inflation and everything. And I keep on going back to that place of needing to keep myself and calling us, all of us to keep ourselves in that place with the spirit and drawing on the wisdom and the guidance and that the spirit will provide what we need and will give us the insights that we need, the words to say when we show up at the bedside of somebody who may be in their last days and you don't know what to do. And you just know God's going to give me the words there. And sometimes it is just being there with each other, holding each other is all we do and can do. So it's about keeping calm in the spirit and at the same time, moving forward and not letting it freeze me up, freeze us up as a church, as a community, but to stay calm and keep moving forward. <laughs> and so I find that what the most important thing that I do then, I think, is to keep our pastors and our churches centered in the way of Christ as well then, and to be faithful to the Great Commission and to not get distracted and to not get fear-filled but to be faithful and true to who we are and whose we are. And to remember that basic heart truth of, of our faith always through this world and this life and this time. 
that's just at the core of us and to keep ourselves at the very center of, of the spirit moving. All of these circumstances are, are just, well, they can steal our peace of mind, you know, um, the craziness that's happening. They can drain our faith. And so we just need to keep, keep that centered right there. Keep ourselves centered. Yeah, and and it's interesting that you use the term drain your faith because it it seems to be kind of a perfect storm of faith draining. Um, And at the time when we're so busy um, having to um, keep our focus on God and make sure that our spiritual life is not getting pushed to the to the back burner um, in the midst of um, what's, you know, the dailiness of, of life. How, how do you keep, how do you keep your spiritual life fresh and, and what do you do to keep your cup full and you're, you know, so you're ready to serve? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I do find that the basics of even our spiritual practices that are daily um, and throughout the day, really have increasing value uh, and, and even finding myself needing to stop periodically in the day just to breathe. Not that I'm not breathing all the time, <laughs> obviously. Oh, good. <laughs> so consciously, you know, to do so intentionally in a way that that is those breath prayers, that is a way of pausing and breathing deep and in a measured way that is a way to calm an anxious spirit. And so those are rich, deep, long-lasting spiritual practices that we have been handed down through the generations. And and to rely upon those time-true, tested ways of of daily prayer and of just stopping and pausing and having that deep breath that brings me a place of drawing in the peace of the spirit. Mm to calm those troubled places, you know, just to doing that helps me um, in that immediate moment. One of the things that as a superintendent, I also have the privilege or the benefit of is that on a Sunday morning, I have the opportunity to visit from church to church and to receive the word through many different pastors while serving in a local church you know, you don't have quite that same opportunity. We have a bit more opportunity these days because we can tune in in other parts of the week onto, onto the YouTube or the Facebook recorded service of a, another church and another pastor. But I'm able to move from church to church or from um, website to website or YouTube channel to YouTube channel among <laughs> our church in our district. And I'm fed by that because I'm so impressed by how faithful and intentional our pastors are. And I receive the word and the spirit through them and I'm refreshed. I'm lifted to a new hope realizing team are giving and are dedicated and are really offering themselves fully into this ministry. And then again, as we talked before, I remember, okay, I'm not alone in this. (laughs) You know, we have an incredible team serving together 
and together we're making the difference and together we're able to see ourselves our way through that. That is what helps me to refresh myself and to keep my cup full time and again, that I draw upon the spirit reminding me that my ultimate source is God almighty. And then God has gifted us with good friends in the faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm not alone. Right. And, and I think it's so important as, as, uh, as during these times when that we need to look to leadership that is calm and, you know, not running around and, you know, the sky is falling, you know, it's nice to, to come into a space that is calmer and you're able to uh, look at the leadership and, and, you know, they're giving their uh, worries to God and their fears and their problems. And it's very encouraging. And you also touched on something that I am very passionate about, and that is online worship and how that fills your cup and uh, you are able to um, be ministered to through online worship. Um, I think it's so important um, that we're able to uh, get our Sunday services or our worship services out um into this new technology space um, mm-hmm. for people to, um, there's, you know, several different groups who are regular consumers or worshipers uh, online. And um, it and it's part of um, what Desert Spring has been called to do. And I'm happy to, um, to be part of that. Um, so that's one of my passions. I, I'd like to know what one of your passions are. What, what, what are you passionate about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think over these recent couple of years, especially, and now as we've come out of that COVID pandemic time, but also when we're still really in the midst of some cultural shifting that's been going on for quite some time, actually, but that, that there is occasionally in the life of a pastor when there is a weariness that sets in or sometimes even an apathy or a lack of spiritual energy. Mm. Sometimes that ripples out across the church, even then in our churches. Um, There's a concern there that we keep up and, and, and keep connected with the almighty and with the, with the Holy spirit who revives us and keeps us motivated. So I think that's one of that where I'm passionate about and where my concern raises up when, when I realizing that, sometimes we do find ourselves in that place of being so drained and depleted or faced with such big obstacles that we can pull back and become apathetic or weary or just lack of spiritual energy because we're not sure how to address it. We're not sure of the next place to go or the next way to adapt and to adjust and to create something brand new. Um, Like you mentioned, just shifting into an online presence and an online ministry. How do you do that? You know, how do you engage with that? Well, at first we did not know, and we still are learning a great deal about it. And it can kind of freeze us in our tracks because it's something so fresh and new. And we have to learn a lot. We have to learn on the, uh, on the fly, learn while we're trying to, at the same time we're doing it, we're learning at the same time. And so it's, it's helping, um, it's helping us to keep ourselves motivated and in the spirit and seeing where God is present and active right now. Mm. 
in our lives and in our church. And so I'm passionate about guiding us and helping us to identify the movement of the spirit and that God has, has strong and with us and moving around us and, and fulfilling and, and creating and making life happen. And for us to be able to recognize that and see that God is active right here where we are and moving in the spirit and, and, and engaging with where the spirit is, is working um, is something that revives us and what really elevates us. And that's what I seek to help all of us to, and myself included, to strive to be there. It's when we're finding ourselves depleted or in a place of apathy that I think we've stepped maybe too much then into our own initiatives and our own uh, efforts to try to build the king, our kingdom, uh, rather than in where God is at work. Yeah. Once I step into where God is at work, I find there to be an, a renewal, an energy resurrection. So how do you do that? How do you go from, you know, your initiatives, I'd like to do this, you know, I'd like to see my church do this, to what does God want for my church? What does God want for my life? And how do how am I faithful to that? Yeah, it's a challenge in this day and time, I think, in part, I, perhaps it always has been, of course, throughout human history, but there seems to be a time right now that's even much more so than it, than it has been in times recent history anyway, because our culture today seems to be so focused about criticizing and judging and even demoralizing others and, and, and seeing their unworthiness rather than their sacred worth. Um, and so when I find myself clouded by that or entering into that shadowy dark kind of a place of that we seem to be in, in our communities, in our culture, that I, 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 ha- I have that awareness. And once I have that awareness, I realize, whoa, I, I, need to, I need to take a look with new eyes. I, I think that's what the Apostle Paul in his writings and in, in his letters was really helping to do, was to put on these eyeglasses that help us to see through the Spirit's lens rather than through mine. Uh, rather than through the worlds and see what is God doing? Where is God calling us and driving us forward in? And once I do that, I can have eyes to see that the spirit is actually at work and has not abandoned, but is present and here and with us. And if we would just draw closer to this, to the spirit of God in one another and seeing the preciousness in the other, the divine in the other, to seeing Christ in our neighbor. When I'm able to see Christ in my neighbor in anyone, not just the people who are nice to me, but in everybody, then that is a, a, a renewal of spirit in my life. And that is where I'll find um, purposefulness and value and, and kind of answering the why, the why I'm here and what mm-hmm. this um, is when I engage right there at that level, at that place of being able to tap into and draw out of another, the godliness within mm. and as a part of that. 
that that person is somebody of sacred worth, even if I tremendously disagree with with that with their perspective or or or, or opinions and such. Mm-hmm. Um, that Christ is a part of their lives. Yeah, and, and wow. I think now is the time um, when we can be especially. Uh, mindful of enjoying those that God has placed around us, um, even if they're, you know, somewhat challenging or, uh, you know, maybe d- different opinions and, and what have you. Um, I seem to be um, hearing that theme um, in my life quite a bit of of just enjoying who has been placed around you. Um, wow. I, that is so good. I, re- I like that, Anne, because I think that we often do um, this, this value of contentment and that, that where we are is right where God wants us to be in a way. And that there's beauty right, right here, right where we are. If we just have eyes to see and just enjoy life too and enjoy each other. Yeah. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, um, <laughs> there there is a possible split coming in the United Methodist Church. And I would like to get your take on what you see um, as the future of the United Methodist Church being. I found it interesting the way in which our church, our United Methodist Church, and formerly our Methodist Church, often mirrors the movement in our society not so much that we are becoming that, but that somehow we reflect some of the stresses and strains in the world around. And I think part of that is because our United Methodist Church and our heritage so connects into the community and into the daily lives of people and into even our political realm of our, uh, of our democratic process and, and culture that that's a part of our Methodist church and our heritage, even in how we're structured in many ways. But we're so seek to be connected and partnered with community agencies and community, uh, all, all kind of uh, connections within our, within our public square, that that's why sometimes we struggle alongside of and with our communities and what's happening in our world. And so how the nation even seems to be polarized, there's that reflection in our church, in our United Methodist Church. And that's a struggle because there's this part of my heart that always wants us to get along, (laughs) to be in one happy household um, and to move together and to be bonded in a way. Um, What tears at me mostly is when we do not value each other or we disrespect one another because we have those differences of opinion and how important and necessary it is for us to treat each other as sacred worth and value enough to listen and to want to understand the difference that we may have between ourselves and to grow in that. That's where I think our church is right now called to be. And I think we will get there. We, we are there now, and we will grow in that place in the United Methodist Church to be a community 
that values that kind of diversity, not only the diversity, which is so important within our ethnic and cultural diversity, within the diversity we have among age and in gender and in all aspects of that, but also even in theological kind of diversity, in diversity of ways of thinking and approaching worldview. And that's what I value in our United Methodist Church always, is that we can come and we can think together and we can have different thoughts and struggle with one another in that without having to have the final answer on everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's where we're going to come to a stronger place through this time in that way. And that, yes, there will be those who don't want to go in that fullness of that direction and they splinter off. Um, I will respect that as that happens. That has always been the case. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that the source of much of the tension and dissension in our United Methodist Church is, is just kind of about that, that we become overly anxious about any form of a split or a schism, that it's, um, you know, we don't need to become overly anxious about it because for one thing, it's nothing brand new. Right. It is something that has happened throughout the life of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I intend and what I seek is that we continue to keep ourselves as focused on being followers of Christ and as being the church and being faithful to our call right where we're located and right where we need to be serving faithfully and truly living as Christ in our personal lives and in our ministry together. And as we do that, our church will be well. Mm -hmm. Our church will be faithful and strong as we seek to do that. And perhaps strong in differing ways than needing to be one of the largest denominations. But that's not our call. Our call is to be faithful followers of Jesus and to love our neighbor mm -hmm. as deeply as we love our God. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's It has been my experience here at Desert Spring that um, we have a, a history of agreeing to disagree and being welcoming despite, mm -hmm. um, despite differences um, and... Um, holding our decisions up to um, the light of Christ and, and the love of Christ and our, you know, the bottom line being, are we reflecting the love of Jesus Christ um, in this decision? Um, and, and I'm proud to be part of that. And I don't see that changing um, due to any kind of other churches leaving the denomination. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Well, Pastor David tells us that we are not defined by our mistakes. Thank goodness. I have relied upon that statement many times. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like and I think that successful people not only make mistakes because you're, you're kind of moving in, in new directions and, and avenues that you haven't explored before. So there, mistakes will be made. Um, but I also see them as an opportunity to learn. So we 
make mistakes, we self-correct, we try again. So I'd love to know what is a failure or a mistake that you have made in your career? How did you get past it? What did you learn? What was the correction that was made? Um, How do you move forward? Right, right. Yeah. And that that's a challenging one in a way, partly because it's like, okay, which of what of the many, which one will my, well, I choose right now? And one. <laughs> but one that may be kind of a thread that runs through that I watch myself with is is about trust. To trust uh, what uh, sometimes is expressed as maybe intuition or an inner sense of myself and my call and what is the next best step on my journey in life. Um, to trust the spirit of God stirring in me and to value that and to um, have confidence with that. I, I've sometimes accepted the plans others have when I have not been convinced or confident about them and I've not spoken up or, or spoken out about it, um, not to contradict or reject their plans or their requests uh, um, of me, but rather I would want to have more often trusted my thinking and feeling and the stirring of the spirit within me um, to enter into deeper conversations with them about that and to consider it further in order to perfect the possible plans and the shape uh, and to shape them stronger and in more effective ways, rather than um, to uh, just go with it, even though that inner place, my gut, maybe you say, says, "Mm, maybe you should pause right now and not jump too quick, Um, would have been to to pause sometimes and ponder a bit more about something unsettled inside of me that says, maybe you should think about this a little bit more here, Mm -hmm. Uh, is to, to take more time doing that and trust that that God speaks to me. You know, that God speaks to each one of us and that we have that privilege and that calling in a way that's just that honor place again, like where we started Mm -hmm. in our talk, that place of honor that God uses us and uses me. Yeah. So this is in your past. How do you make sure that's in your past? How, How is it not? Are you not bringing those regrets, if they are regrets, into your into your future, into your now. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of making sure I live in that place of no regrets in a way, or that I'm not always <laughs> lamenting about, oh, if only I had done yeah, this Yeah, right. Hindsight is twenty yeah. twenty, and you've, you've got to right. get past that. Yeah. And, and that is what, in my faith, I don't, I believe that, that God does not dwell there. And because does not call us to dwell there either, but rather says, hey, we can still make this work that, okay, yeah, that was, that didn't go so well, did it? Um, and, and yeah, if you had it to do over, maybe you do it differently, but we can still work with this. I believe that the spirit of God tells me that regularly. It says, it's okay. We can still work with this. And in fact, you can even make it stronger and more significant uh, what's happening um, out of that mistake or out mm. of that mishap. And that we, God can take those really difficult errors and mistakes and 
and uh, places we've gone and turn them into something that is life-giving always. Mm -hmm. God does that again and again and again. And that's what keeps me centered and moving forward rather than dwelling on that um, and knowing that, okay, I, that, I tell the truth and honest about when I do make that error, mistake or misjudgment and confess it and know that God will take that and make something new mm-hmm. that's there. So I, I, I keep on striving in that way. Amen. Amen. That's, that's great. So our final question, hopefully this is a little bit of fun for you to answer after a couple of those challenging questions. Um, what would you like to be known for or remembered for? <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, I think that what I really would like to be remembered for is, is one who, who does look into another's heart to see the presence of God in Christ and that they realize that sometimes for the first time themselves, or at least in a time when they most needed it, because that's where they felt distant from or in a dark place, a difficult place, and to realize they're not alone and to, to know God is with them and in them and that they are a beautiful, sacred person. Um, that's, that's what I really want to be knowing for somebody who helps guide others to be their best God made self and to enjoy life's journey along the way of discovering that beauty of God within and around and among. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you can check that box because that's what you did for me. I think, I think you welcomed me at a time when I didn't feel like I was worthy of being welcomed. And, you know, I, I needed a church to welcome me. I needed a pastor to welcome me in. And you certainly, uh, checked that box and, and I, it was great. It was great. Uh, a good time. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I appreciate your time with us. Um, I would like to end in prayer if you would join me. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Dan, for his time here at Desert Spring and his leadership of this church. He gave us uh, good roots and um, foundation that we could build on. We thank you for his current assignment as the district superintendent. And we so appreciate his uh, calm leadership and his guidance and keeping us grounded and focused upon our goals and our mission and our on God. Thank you for this podcast and this time together. And we pray for our listeners, um, and um, we just ask for your blessings, Father, upon the people that will hear this. Thank you again for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.